Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Hello, hello, and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode number 139. I'm Paul Spain, and with me for this episode, we have... Earl Tippany from Adobe. And Nate Dunn. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you here. Thanks, Thanks. Paul. Earl, your very first time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. You'd better uh, share with us where you fit into the the technology world. Okay, so um, I'm a solution consultant based in Auckland. And my role is really around uh, supporting our products and making sure people are aware of what we're doing and, and what's in the market and what our new tools are. Uh, so I've been with Adobe now for probably about a year and a half um, through some pretty exciting times with the release of the CS6 and now Creative Cloud. Um, yeah, but previous to that, sort of been in the reseller space for Adobe and also, uh, yeah, as a user of their products for probably 25 years. 25 years? That's impressive. That's impressive. It's a long time. And Nate, remind us where you fit into the, the tech community. Uh, I own a software company called 3Bit, and we um, develop with Zero, which, as we were just discussing before, is New Zealand's uh, favourite publicly listed company. Uh, and also I own a cafe as well, so that keeps me busy. And blog on GeekZone and moderator on GeekZone. And, and I'm Nate on Twitter, which I was actually, I was, just, I was in the States about three weeks ago talking at a, a tech conference, and I flashed up that my Twitter handle was Nate. And Pretty much the conversation after the presentation had nothing to do with the content. It was just, how did you end up being Nate on Twitter? I was like, well, thanks, guys. I'm, I'm glad that I was well prepared for this presentation. Let's just talk about my Twitter handle. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's so, brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. My claim to fame. And, uh, and I am the host of the NZ Tech Podcast, as well as uh, being the CTO at uh, Gorilla Technology, which is an IT services firm here in Auckland. Well, let's jump into our, uh, our topics. Uh, now, first up, there was quite a cool, um, a cool little thing that created a buzz uh, last week, was a, um, a graduate of Victoria University has uh, come up with a concept for a um, sort of a, a 3D printed uh, plaster cast for uh, you know helping you heal your broken bones. Although it's not actually a plaster cast, it's a really uh, funky uh, 3D printed uh, replacement. What did you guys think of this? Very cool. Uh, someone who's broken bones before, the most annoying thing I think about a cast is how itchy it gets. And I think that's the first thing I spotted with this, is with all the um, the sort of lattice design in the space, is the fact that you can scratch away to your heart's content. And I'm assuming too. The other second annoying thing with having a cast is trying to shower. It's really annoying doing yeah, it with yeah. a plastic bag or the rubbish bag over the hand. Yeah, and this is supposed to solve, solve both of those issues, yeah. right? Yeah, so, oh, this could save the world. Well, as a parent of a uh, son walking around with a cast at the moment who's just jumped into his moon boot, and he's pretty happy about that, um, yeah, he'd love this. Yeah, awesome. uh, it, it looks like a really cool design, and um, quite cool how it, this has been picked up by uh, you know a lot of uh, particularly tech type media and so on. You know, all around the world, uh, the the article I sort of shared with you guys was the one that um, uh, that Wired ran uh, ran on the story. Now, can somebody help me out? How do I pronounce um, the the chap who's uh, designed this? How do I pronounce his surname? When I read it, it looks like Jack Evil. J- sorry, Jake Evil. Uh, but there's an extra L on the end. So what's the correct pronunciation? I'm going with evil. <laughs> but uh, anyway, however you, however you pronounce it, very cool. And uh, it's, called, uh, it's called the Cortex Cast. So uh, have a look online if you want to uh, see the photos. But it looks, uh, it looks very, very cool. And uh, yeah, quite a neat um, 
project. Initially, I was wondering how on earth you'd get your limb into it, but it uh, it's designed that it would, uh, you know, fold. It'll be two halves basically, and uh, would uh, would join together, so you'd be able to get into it. But the idea is that they do a a three D scan of your um, of the limb concerned, uh, as well as uh, an X ray, and then uh, and on the computer it puts it together, and then a big um, 3D printer will uh, will fire out this thing. The one challenge I thought that they would probably have at the moment would be around just how strong this uh, this cast would would be. Uh, but I guess that will be improved as we get uh, we get bigger and better and tougher uh, 3D printing machines, which no doubt will come. Maybe there is already one that could could do this well. Uh, but that was the one thing from the 3D printers I've. I've seen. Um, I think there potentially be a size issue because a lot of them only print quite small stuff, uh, and yeah, just in terms of how how robust the um, the output is, could be a challenge. But uh, yeah, I can imagine this being um, this you know taking off within the next few years as those um, boxes get ticked. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, what else have we got going on? Um, chorus who are uh, taking care of a, a reasonably large percentage of the uh, the rollout of ultra-fast broadband uh, in New Zealand have uh, announced their plans uh, this week for uh, for the rollout uh, of ultra-fast broadband through to mid-2016, which is kind of nice because there was really we were, I think, only getting the figures through to uh, mid-next year, uh, mid-2014, uh, in terms of uh, you know whether your address would be able to get uh, ultra fast broadband in that time, and uh, you know if you weren't going to get it in that period, you were always just uh, just listed uh, as getting it by 2019, which is when the uh, when the project's supposed to uh, supposed to complete. So, uh, if you are interested in uh, in that, you can uh, have a look on. Uh, on Chorus's uh, website, um, we've also got links on our uh, on the little website we set up around um, UFB at ufb.org.nz to all the uh, all the maps from the various um, uh, providers around the country, and there's a bunch of planning comparisons and and so on on there as well. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there is a big list of um, of places that are getting ultra fast broadband by that time but of course it is a big project and doesn't finish until uh, uh, sometime in uh, in 2019 so yes I'm sure there'll be a few people disappointed that they didn't turn up on that list me hey. included <laughs> yeah I'm just looking now I, I'd, I'd missed the story so I didn't know that updated so I'm July 2015 oh you're getting it very exciting nice so yeah. too far away though Be two nice years ago well I'm my uh, my current home is not on the uh, on the list uh, but what it is on the list for is uh, is something that telecom have uh, have just launched this week uh, which is uh, VDSL now uh, t- now we know VDSL's been available as sort of a I guess a, a premium version of the DSL that um, yeah most of us have had at home for years uh, for probably for a couple of years now in uh, in various forms, but mostly from uh, well only really from the smaller uh, internet providers so with telecom uh, jumping on board that uh, certainly stirs things uh, stir- stirs things up a bit uh, and uh, it 's going to be available in lots and lots of areas around the country, uh, including at my house so i 'm quite pleased about that uh, if you jump on telecom 's uh, website you 'll be able to check whether you can uh, you can get it. 
and you can also find that through the Chorus uh, website as well because it's Chorus that delivers the, uh, um, the underlying sort of infrastructure that makes uh, VDSL possible. Uh, and it's their recent sort of uh, pricing realignment of VDSL services that's, uh, that's sort of bringing uh, VDSL mainstream. Now, have either of you guys had a play with uh, VDSL at all? Other than the VDSL that we're running over here uh, in the, st- in the, st- in the <laughs> as studio. I, as I torrent on uh, Paul's connection and he gets a cease and desist. Um, no, I haven't. Um, but I, I suppose it's worth saying that with VDSL it is uh, um, distance dependent, isn't it? So if you're too far away from a an enabled exchange or an enabled cabinet, it's yeah not worthwhile. You might as well just stay on ADSL. Yeah, and on the Chorus website you'll know that you can get uh, VDSL if you're uh, if they're listing you able to get a 20 uh, megabits or, or greater uh, service. And, yeah, that's right. It's only a, um, you know, a portion of New Zealand homes that can get it. Uh, one of the nice things is you can potentially get it if you're in a rural area that isn't on the uh, UFB map at all. Uh, no, you know, no guarantees, but the, as Nate says, depending on where you sit in relation uh, to a, an actual uh, exchange or to uh, a street side cabinet, and uh, and how far that um, you know that that run is of the uh, of the cable. Um, in most cases, you've got to be, I think, under under a kilometre to really get a really good uh, result. Although, you know, technically, it's possible to uh, uh, to connect from a bit further out as well. Uh, and I guess the big thing is this: this is somewhat like uh, ultra fast broadband. In that with VDSL you get much improved upload speeds, uh, so you know quite commonly people will be getting, uh, you know, in the direction of um, of ten megabits um, upload speeds, which is is rather nice. And at the moment, I think the two there's just Telecom and Snap that are the two that you can get VDSL through at the moment. Oh no, there's quite a number of players that uh, that do it. Are they just uh, you know, the two recent ones that have announced. Um, Vo- Voyager do it. Um, well, what Snap have done is they've just announced refreshed uh, pricing ah. uh, on the same day as Telecom announced their pricing. Yep. Uh, Telecom, with most of their uh, or their yeah their residential offerings, are about ten dollars or they are ten dollars more uh, than their existing um, ADSL plans. I think there's a $99 install there, but one of the niceties uh, of Telecom's offering is they are providing people with a, a free uh, modem router, which, of course, you do need that with VDSL. Your old router, uh, your ADSL router, uh, is very unlikely to work unless you've got a really, really expensive one that was designed for VDSL, uh, which would be very few people will have actually uh, have. have. Uh, so yeah, they're making it quite easy, and whereas you know most of the other uh, providers are saying, hey, you need to, uh, you do need to buy that new uh, uh, router that has VDSL capability, which can be a few hundred bucks. Um, so yeah, kind of kind of good. Um, and telecom for business customers, they have a uh, they have a two hundred gig plan. Uh, it's two hundred. Yeah, I think it's a two hundred um, uh, gigabyte plan. And that actually sits, from what I can see, it sits at the same price point as their existing ADSL 200 uh, gigabyte plan. Uh, so making that pretty attractive option uh, it, for businesses that are uh, that, that are in the right area. Does Telecom allow you, because I, I was a bit unsure, but I'm assuming this is right, that because it's $10 more expensive than the ADSL, you still, for people who've got naked broadband, because Telecom still don't have a naked broadband. They don't have a naked broadband So you need to have... You have to have a phone line with it. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that works, that does work into the, that does work into the pricing. And... Yeah, I guess the the other point, which is which is interesting, 
is that Vodafone have yet to announce either VDSL or UFB uh, services for their their customers. Um, They have been certainly been trialling ultrafast broadband for some time because I was on their trial uh, going back a year a year or so, and they're still sort of hooking um, you know people into that. But in terms of a formal offering, they don't have uh, they don't have that yet. And uh, there was uh, an article I looked back on um, when uh, when Paul Brislin was with Vodafone uh, back in 2008. So we're talking uh, five years ago, uh, where VDSL was uh, you know was effectively announced uh, by by Paul at that stage uh, with Vodafone. And here we are five years down the track, and uh, they still don't have it. Uh, so I'm sort of hoping that uh, you know. Any day they will uh, they'll fill out those gaps and start offering VDSL and uh, and as well as ultra fast broadband because it, it's it's a bit of a frustration where you don't have the full uh, full choice of uh, of providers. Do you know all if you can get VDSL? I definitely can't. We checked that uh, earlier. Yeah, we today. just had a look on the map. Yeah. <laughs> We're about what suburb are you based in in Auckland? Uh, Dairy Flat. So um, according to the website at the moment, I have ADSL broadband is unavailable at my address. From telecom, so oh. VDSL is a little while away from me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are a lot of those sort of situations. Interestingly, it is worth, uh, you know, if say the chorus maps is showing something pretty negative, it is worth sort of checking uh, with telecom or with whichever um, you know telco um, that you prefer, because sometimes you will get something quite different to what they're publishing, as um, as we found with. Uh, with someone in a in a rural address in the last uh, in the last few days, so uh, there's yeah. a big thread going on Geekstone about this when Telecom announced it, and a couple of the Telecom employees have actually been very good and they've said, look, if you type in your address and it comes back you don't have it, please call us on this number and we'll do sort of a manual search and we'll confirm exactly whether you can or, or can't do it. So it, cool. they've been really engaged in that sort of social. Mm. Yeah, Sorry, which is nice to see great. from telecom. Yeah, it is because some you know you expect sort of the bigger organisations to be you know somewhat uh, faceless, and we've got a, actually got another podcast um, that'll be online shortly. Uh, discussion we had with ASB as well, and you know talking about I guess these larger organisations, you know banks, telcos, and so on are uh, you know are really starting to uh, become much more open than what they were in the old days as large faceless organisations. Uh, you know thanks to uh, you know what is able to happen over social media for those organisations that have chosen to, uh, you know, really embrace it. it. Makes it you know much easier to really, uh, you know, connect with um, with the organisations and, and find out what's going on, which is kind of cool. I do think you've got to be careful with it. There was a, and I was reading reading it with great amusement yesterday on Twitter about. Um, so Bank of America have got their Twitter account, and um, instead of taking the whole social thing of it's actually another way to engage with your customers, they've decided to be very lazy and they've created a bot on Twitter. Well, not hard to do, which. Um, replies to particular terms and so um, someone was complaining about how the, the bank's foreclosure policies and so the bot tweeted out hey I, I work for Bank of America is there anything I can help with and then you'd reply and then it would say um, can you send us more information to the fact where you could say anything completely stupid to um, Bank of America and it would tweet back these responses and uh, I can't find the post at the moment but there was uh, people worked out there was six generic responses so it would return to particular terms or there were um, the number of replies that you, you'd done it would reply with particular things and it's like well you guys have sort of got the, the the idea but you're sort of missing the execution completely so yeah. yeah, not not good, is it? And I guess that's a challenge when a really big organisation, uh, you know, tries to make use of social media. They either need to have a really really big team, or they've got to be really really smart about how they, you know, how they utilise it, because hmm. uh, they could get a you know, huge amount of traffic. 
And I guess in this case, uh, yeah, Bank of America is trying to be really, really smart, but actually it makes them look really, really stupid. Mm. <laughs> yeah, dangerous places. <laughs> dangerous uh, places. So, yeah, social media certainly uh, has, has some challenges associated with it. Uh, but we've seen some really great examples in New Zealand of, of people really uh, really doing it right, which is, is good. Uh, now, um, yeah, t- talk, now, talking about uh, Vodafone not having um, UFB and, and VDSL, uh, interestingly, in the last, I think it's probably in the last couple of months or so, they've they've launched a new um, a new router for their uh, for their customers, uh, and the doc the associated documentation with it uh, actually mentions it being quite uh, quite suitable uh, for uh, for ultra fast broadband. So it looks like they're certainly getting geared up for ultra fast broadband. Uh, whether they're getting geared up for uh, for VDSL, um, they have not confirmed to us yet. So yeah. Uh, now I've I've got um, Telecom have been kind enough to um, offer me a little uh, trial of their uh, VDSL service. So I'm hoping that will be in by next week, and I can actually give my real world experience on uh, on what that's like to get uh, to get installed and uh, and just how uh, how quick it is with their new uh, their new service. Uh, now, uh, another little, uh, well, somewhat local story is um, there's been some new uh, language packs for uh, Microsoft Office uh, 2013, uh, Windows 8, and um, and Internet Explorer uh, 10. Uh, Tureo Māori um, language packs have been come have become available. Uh, just. Uh, in the last in the last few days, so I guess uh, um, yeah, good uh, good to see this. And but the interesting thing was uh, this was covered by uh, quite a lot of international media. I saw uh, Wall Street Journal picking it up. Cool. Yeah, no, it looks uh, it looks very good. I'm not a Microsoft Windows user, but it looks fantastic. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's just just good to see that you know the the big companies and you know um google uh you know have have uh, um you know had multi uh you know language sort of support yeah. uh you know within their search engine for uh, you know for quite some time uh, i'm not sure if they offer that within any of the google apps and and uh, and so on as such but uh yeah we just seem to be seeing uh, you know more and more support for a a, a broader range of languages uh which is you know all credit to uh, to the software companies for uh, you know for getting alongside, and I think that you know certainly um, you know will will help uh, in in school environments and, and so on where uh, where languages are being uh, being taught. Mm. Interesting, they've got uh, hundred and eight languages I see in there, so it's uh, quite a few. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> so, is. But I think there are there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, mm. of languages. Uh, yeah, around around the world. So, I mean, it's nice that uh, that we we're getting noticed down here in New Zealand, anyway. Absolutely. Uh, now, Apple are celebrating uh, five years uh, this week uh, since the launch of their uh, their their App Store, uh, which yeah, that sort of swung by pretty quickly, hasn't it? Because when the first iPhone launched, there was no App Store, and if I remember correctly, uh, Steve Jobs was you know not particularly keen. On there being uh, being an app store, I think Apple wanted to sort of uh, um, you know provide the apps that were on the phone, and uh, you would sort of just just get that. But uh, then there were there were a number of people, including uh, including some enterprising uh, Kiwis, who uh, who started working on their uh, 
their own apps and, and worked out how to get them onto uh, onto phones. And then, of course, uh, you know, Apple did did launch the App Store, and uh, to phenomenal success, they're now at over over nine hundred thousand uh, apps. That's a pretty crazy number. It is a crazy number, and you know, um, as you know, someone who's got friends who are developing on that platform, you know, I think the success has just been amazing. So, uh, d- do developers find it hard to get their their apps uh, noticed? Is that a is that a challenge for the uh, the app developers that that you know? Earl? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's probably the biggest challenge now is uh, with the sheer number of um, apps on there is making sure you get you you know people know where to find it and uh, get hold of it. So yeah, that seems to be the biggest challenge now. Mm, mm. But um, yeah, Apple have done a great job with that community. And I guess you know we I mean we've seen a- uh, Android sort of following in the footsteps to uh, you know to some degrees now they're up to uh, certainly a, ma- a pretty massive app catalogue um, themselves on the Android platform. And I think we heard the other day that uh, Windows 8 is up to, um, which hasn't even been out a year, is up to over 100,000 apps uh, wow. now as well. So uh, there, there is a huge amount of growth, but Apple uh, certainly you know, leading the way there uh, with, with the number of apps on, uh, on iOS. And, and I think over, you know, overall, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, you know, on any platform there's going to be some, uh, some rubbishy apps. Uh, but, you know, I, I think iOS is still sort of the platform to beat uh, from an app, you know, an app perspective. They still seem to get, uh, you know, most apps first uh, or the apps, you know, get kept updated. Um, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think it's easy, far easier to monetize something on the um, on the iOS platform than it is on Android. And I, I think from the, I was just quickly reading that article, well, the end of that article, it was saying that Apple far outweighs um, or far beats Android in relation to actually earning money on I guess it's much easier to sort of pirate apps on uh, yeah for, on the Android platform, isn't it? Yeah, because once you've got yeah. unless you jailbreak your um, and I'm I'm not big with iPhones, so I've never had one, but I'm assuming it, unless you jailbreak it, there's no other way to get any apps on it. Whereas with the Android That's one, right. you just have to tick yeah. support unapproved uh, apps. I think it is, and then you just double click an APK file, and it's it's on there. And away you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So certainly one of the biggest challenges we've seen at Adobe is. Uh, you know, getting content onto these smart devices, whether Android or uh, or iOS, and certainly with the Windows platform coming out, you know, um, we've had massive success with people building apps um, through, you know, some of our software solutions. Um, and one of those uh, digital publishing suite, you know, I think we've just we've just pushed a hundred million download. Wow, that's yeah, that's so, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, that number came up very quickly for us. So you know. Um, yeah, so there's a big market out there. Mm. And what about uh, what about tools like uh, like PhoneGap? How uh, how important is that? Because that uh, that's that you know that lets you build um, you know apps that'll run on uh, on multiple platforms, right? Yeah, um, probably not my area of expertise, but certainly um, a popular option. Mm. Um, I do think um, the big challenge is making sure that you're choosing the right method for your application, right? So. In, in a lot of instances, um, it might make sense to, to use PhoneGap Build, um, but certainly you know you've got to pick in you got to pick it right. Um, mm, mm. As opposed, you know, there are times when a native app absolutely should be the best way forward. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. agree. The uh, PhoneGap's nice, and you can interface with some of the the hardware on the device. But even things like PhoneGap can't emulate the way you develop 
an app for iOS is going to be different from the way you develop for Android and the way you develop for Windows Phone. The way um, iOS users are, are used to even navigation and all those sorts of things is very different from the way Android users and Windows Phone. So I think um, Phone Gap's a very good starting block. And yeah. ASB, for example, their first mobile banking app was pretty much phone get wrapped around a mobile site yep. um, they've now seen that no we need to for the different platforms we need to have native apps for all three so I, th- I think phone gap's a good um, sort of stepping stone to get a presence on the, the different platforms but long term wise if you're serious about mobile or in, in mobile content and plug into whatever yeah. desktop solution or, or web solution you've got you need to have native yeah and people using the apps are very savvy now right so they expect the experience to be good um, and certainly there's a place for phone gap um, to meet some of those requirements but yeah as you say for an organization like asb well that's a big call yep. but um you know they're underway and they're building mm. native apps now and, and it's fantastic so yeah now on the asb uh front uh they are uh, they're hard at work on a um on a business version of their um their banking app as well uh which is is i think that'll be the first uh, that'll be the first bank locally that's doing a um you know a specific uh you know business version of their app which will be quite handy actually business banking is a lot tricky and i, I know because we've we've got a few counts here and there and it, it becomes tricky because you move from sort of one person logs in and sees multiple accounts to very role-based so you can have for example an administrative user who can um, only see and log in and and set up a set up payments and then you can have a director who can log in and approve payments and then if you've got multiple people to sign i, I don't know what it's like for gorilla but for example with three but we've only got one person which made it far easier but if you've got multiple people to sign then the app has to take that into account so it, it's not sort of let's build a, 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 an app for residential and one sign on and then we'll just build a business one it, the business one is completely it's quite different and what that what they said uh to me and we'll, we've we've got a separate podcast covering this but uh what you know one of the things that uh you know that stood out is they're really looking for the things that uh you know that a business user will want to do and one of the common ones is just uh you know a director for instance will or a signatory will want to just you know approve payments somebody else has keyed them in uh but it'd be really handy if they didn't actually have to get uh you know in fr- in front of the full uh, website and with their little you know token and that sort of stuff to authorize yep. so um yeah that that sounds quite cool now jumping back to uh apple's uh five years of the app store one of the nice things that they're doing to uh celebrate is uh, they've taken uh, what they're saying are five landmark games and five groundbreaking apps and making them available uh free to everyone for a uh, a limited time uh so their what their landmark apps are um uh barefoot world atlas uh day one journal diary how to cook everything uh over uh which is a um um, an ability to sort of drop custom captions and logo, logos and bits and pieces on top of photos, uh, and uh, Tractor, which is sort of a D- DJing app, uh, Tractor for iPhone. Um, those are all available free at this moment in time. Uh, the games: uh, Badland, Infinity Blade Two, uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. Tiny Wings and Where's My Water. So we'll try and uh, flick up some uh, some links. Uh, on um, probably at nztechpodcast.com or on my Tech Jungle uh, blog to those uh, those free uh, apps, or you can just go and go and search for them. So uh, yeah, 
that's very nice. Always good to get cool, free stuff. I don't know any of those apps. <laughs> shows up out of, out of touch iOS and it's like, no, don't know that one, don't know that one, don't know that one. Well, when there are 900,000 apps, uh, you can probably be forgiven for not knowing uh, 10 but of them. One, you think I'd know one of them? <laughs> oh, come on. I suppose I know all the free ones. That's, and there's, yeah, they're not obviously <laughs> going to give away a free one when it's already free. So, um, Hopeless. Yeah. But but all very nice. So yeah, we do we do certainly like our uh, our, our free stuff. Uh, now now uh, talking about uh, banking, um, Westpac are launching a uh, a home loan app, so you'll be able to go. And they've offered you know this uh, recently. We can go online and apply for a home loan online, which yeah yeah you expect to be able to start doing that sort of thing now. Um, they're now moving that into uh, into an app form, which I think is uh, is rather rather good. I don't know how easy it'll be. I think for it to work, it needs to be really, really easy. And so I hope they've kind of nailed that uh, and it does actually make the process easier. I could just imagine. My dad used to be a real estate agent, so I'm very familiar with real estate and auctions. And everything. I could just imagine you standing there bidding and then you get to like the amount of money that you can spend and you furiously bring up that. Like, and there's a plus button. You just go plus, 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 plus. Yeah, I'm back in. I <laughs> yeah, bid again. Try and bump up. Yeah. See if you get approval mid, <laughs> yeah. mid auction. And the app yeah, pops up saying, are you sure you want to do this? You're like, yes, come on, come on, come on. I really yeah. want this house. <laughs> Maybe not so much. That's yeah. That that could be a lot of fun. The banks are sort of in there going, "Yeah, we'll approve that," but it's an extra this much percent. And as you go higher, they're just like, "Oh, and we will do this if you want that much money." It's a big proportion. They're saying ten percent of their um, mortgages are uh, being applied for online. Yeah. Well, you'd expect ultimately it all to go that way, you know. Which is um, why the the company's office, was it last week, renamed, um, was it Real.me or something, or Realme, which is the new, instead of iGov, it was a new way to do identification. They're talking about um, you'll eventually get to the stage where you can have this sort of global ID, which the government's going to control, and then use that for applying for mortgages and finance, anything else that you would, instead of having a signature, you can just use your... Um, real me identification yeah, much easier for the government then to track exactly what you're That's doing fine. and to know all about you uh, and then anyone else who has access to their database or if they get hacked um, it's an exciting world ahead isn't it now so um, what we would love from you is a bit of an update on what is happening in the Adobe world now uh, I guess the big announcement in recent weeks has really been uh, been creative cloud and you know most people know Adobe for I guess there's a few products there's uh, you know Adobe Flash we've sort of got uh, used to loving and hating uh, you know Acrobat or, or Reader uh, you know for many years a sort of standard you know way of of uh, you know, sharing documents uh, you know very handy file format I don't know what we would have where the world would have gone without it uh, things would have been looking pretty. Uh, well, they're pretty ugly without um, Acrobat, uh, but really, from you know, from um, uh, you know, business perspective, it's it's mostly sort of creatives that tend to use um, you yep. know the Adobe apps. People doing you know, graphic design, doing video stuff, recording audio like we do. Um, yeah, run us through what's what's hap- what's happened to uh, Adobe's uh, creative suite, where it's gone, and what this new uh, creative cloud thing is uh, is all about. Sure. Um, one of the things I love doing is uh, when I go in to uh, meet with people about Adobe products in general, um, I'll always start the meeting out with, so what do you know about Adobe? And generally everyone will come back with, uh, you're that annoying browser thing that always wants to update. Or you've got that Photoshop thingy that you can retouch models and make them really beautiful for magazines. And you've got that PDF reader thing. And they'll all just sit and go, but they all seem like they're free. So how do you guys actually get anywhere? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's interesting, right? So as you pointed out, um, 
the creative market is really uh, the backbone of the company. Um, but PDF um, as a standard has been adopted widely over the last uh, 20, 25 years, probably. 20 years? No, maybe 25. Um, and that certainly a, plays a big part. But they're quite different, right? So we sort of look at um, Acrobat and that PDF um, standard um, as being very much an enterprise-type product. Um, so we've got big adoption across banks and, and anyone, like you said, you know, really resolved a big issue around um, sharing documents elegantly between Macs and PCs, um, between people who had fonts and didn't have fonts and how those documents would, would be shared. So um, so PDF's been very successful for us and, and, again, as a standard, probably the... Um, you know, the standard that everyone shares a lot of documents with, right? So so now you take that off, what's new? What's new? Well, Creative Cloud is new. So, you know, everyone knows and loves our, um, our image products around Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator. You know, we've, we really believe these are sort of like class-leading products, right? So if you're doing uh, page layout, it's InDesign. If you're doing uh, vector artwork for logos and things like that, it's Illustrator. Um, if you're doing image editing, Photoshop. Um, you know, and we've had big success with our video products. So, yeah, so, and everyone's used to buying our product. Um, as said, you know, when we started, they were just separate products. And then they said, well, if you check them in a box together and call it a suite, uh, you know, can you make it cheaper? And I guess that's what Microsoft did with Microsoft Office, right? Once upon a time, there was Microsoft Word and yeah. uh, Excel, and, you know, yeah. eventually it became Office with Outlook and PowerPoint and, yeah. you know, et cetera. So yeah, pretty pretty similar, right? So mm. people were like, well, if you can chuck a couple of them together and we'll call it a suite of products, um, we'd rather buy it that way. It seems you know, it seems like a better idea. And you guys got to, yeah, I guess it's simpler and you maybe you know, bump yep. people up to a bit of a higher uh, sale than just selling one product as it was once yeah. upon a time. Yeah, so, um, so that made a lot of sense. Um, but certainly, you know, um, the last sort of probably, the last three years really in the design community, you know, a lot's changing really, really quick. So, you know, whether you're a web designer, the web's changed massively in the last few years. Um, if you're a print designer, you're expected to be able to design for all of these new smart devices that have come out. So the iPad's not that old. Um, but, you know, print designers are expected to be able to take the content, which would have been for a static uh, print ad, and supply that now so it works on an iPad. So a lot's changed for these uh, for creatives. Mm. And so, you know, Adobe's response to that was really around, you know, we want to be able to innovate and get our tools out quicker in a much smarter way, in a much more efficient way. Um, and that was one of the problems we had with uh, Creative Suites, right? So you had all your separate products going into one box, and that had to meet a deadline, which had to go out to be, you know, pushed out to the market worldwide. Um, and if the Photoshop guys weren't finished, well, their product went out, you know, it might have been missing a few features that would have to wait for the next um, upgrade, which was sort of an eighteen-month period, mm. sometimes two years. So, so yeah, so that was a real problem for us. Um, and so, the new product now is Creative Cloud, and it means that you can get access to all of the tools. Um, and we, as our product teams, develop new features and, and new stuff. It can come out, and it can be released straight away. So, yeah. So things that there are changes sort of rolling out. I guess you know. All the, all the time in terms yep. of new features. And uh, I guess what was Creative Suite, the last version of that was CS6. CS6. Yep. Uh, that's now sort of gone by the wayside in terms of you know, a box product that you go out and buy. So it's now... Yep. So, so that'll be yep. the last perpetual product that yeah. is available as a suite. Right. Yep. So CS6. And now it's subscription-based, basically. You pay a monthly fee. You get access to all, everything. Yep. You get a bit of cloud storage thrown in there as well. Yep. So we've got we've got 
different plans for different uh, purposes. Um, you know, we've got individual plans to suit you know your freelance designer type person or people that maybe aren't using all of the tools. But then we've also got a Creative Cloud for teams, um, which which is a very good, which is a real sweet spot for New Zealand market. So mm-hmm. you know, you design studio with maybe five designers in one place. Yeah, you know, helping them collaborate better on their work, make sure everyone's got the same versions of software and all the kind of challenges mm-hmm. that a lot of creatives have here. Yep. Um, so we've got a you know we've got an offering for that, um, which is tailored for their use. So you know strong collaboration story there, um, as they're designing, sharing, and working, and going home and continuing to work, which is what a lot of them do. Mm. Um, and then right up to the enterprise type customers. So you know your large your large enterprise customers, and you know we've got a big a ad fairly, agencies and yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah. They have lots and lots of uh, yeah, lots so, of users. So yeah. their challenges are a little different, you know. So for those guys. Uh, you know, for the small studios, they get 100 gig of online storage available for each user. So, you know, we were talking to a studio of about 40-odd people the other day, and, you know, for them, that's four terabytes of storage. So they get relatively interested in that. Yeah. And so we're doing some unique things with our storage that, uh, you know, the likes of Dropbox and that probably don't do. But, you know, we're able to share files in, in a way that nobody else can. So, so yeah, it's, it's been unique things that we're doing, and it's pretty exciting. And in t- I mean, in terms of uh, in terms of products, when you when you sign up, and what sort of the um, you know the base price, for, you know, let's say you know for a, an individual, uh, when I look online, I'm seeing um, you know Australian dollar figure of you know, fifty dollars a month as kind of your uh, you know your mainstream uh, pricing. I guess as a way to sort of buy that uh, locally, as opposed to uh, online as as well. Is that how does that sort of line up? Yeah, so the individual one, um, again, is tailored for that single user. Um, and again, we've got a pretty extensive price list. Um, and it's not the easiest thing to navigate through if you're looking uh, through ne- that never online. is with these big <laughs> software companies. We sort of get I used know, to that. I know. So, you know, we're trying, to, we're trying to look after our existing customers who've come along, you know, over the last few years with our Creative Suite products. So there's an offer in there, you know, where they're paying $30 a month for the first year, mm. um, Australian, as opposed to somebody who's never bought our product or never owned it, you can go in at $50. Yep. So we're trying to recognise people that have invested in the product previously. Um, for individuals, um, you know, there's great offerings there for teachers and students. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. Cool. And now Creative Cloud basically gives, you know, gives a user access to... Um, like a lot of products now, right? So you've got yep. uh, Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator. What what are the other sort of what are the other top sort of yeah four or five? Uh, well, look, we're um, apps. You've you got know, audio editing stuff as well with the audition, yep. right? Yep. So you know you got your basic stuff that people know, right? Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, um, Acrobat's in there. Um, Flash is in there. Um, Premiere Pro, so our you know our video, video editing, editing um, yeah, cool. After Effects, um, and then we've really been able to with this product set move into some some new areas for us, right? So there's a lot of new products in there that people probably aren't aware of. Um, and is that for stuff like doing the you know publish something to an iPad, yep. for instance, yep. get get something onto yep. an iPad? Yeah. yeah. So as part of your membership, you get access to our digital publishing suite of tools, and again, that's being able to take your InDesign content and ship that out as an application to an iPad. So, you know, that's all built into your membership. 
Um, you know, we've come away, you know, we've had some great feedback from the web community, you know, where we used to have Dreamweaver being the one tool that did everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so what we've been able to do is, you know, we went to the community and they said, look, um, yep, sure, we understand you've got Dreamweaver and it does all this stuff for us, but what we really want now to be, you know, to be able to, to design and, and interact with the web quickly and easily is I have a favourite editor. I don't want to use Dreamweaver for that. Um, we want to be able to do HTML5 um, compliant um, animations. So what we've got is a whole lot of web services that are very small tools that do one specific job. And that's our Edge um, tools and services family. And in there we've got one very lightweight tool called Edge Animate, but it makes fantastic HTML5 animations, and that's all it does. So you go in there, animate your banner, export that out as yep. HTML5, right? Yep, and you done. can repurpose now. that. Okay, yeah. cool. So, you know, lots of new stuff in there, um, yep. and we're adding to that all the time. Now, with any sort of change like this, I mean, that move from being able to buy a bots product, you pay for it once, and you can keep it for, you know, yeah, keep using it forever effectively. Um, now, always up front to get, like, the you know, the top version of Creative Suite was, you know, well, it was way over sort of three grand. And even, you know, even for the basic suites, you know, you're looking at sort of a couple of grand or so. Um, yep. So being able to bring that down to, say, you know, 60 or so, uh, you know, dollars dollars a month is, um, I'm sure, attractive to a lot of people. But there are going to be people that are really annoyed that uh, they're not able to sort of buy those updates as they choose anymore that they've got to, you know, stick in. What sort of, uh, you know, where are you finding that sort of resistance where people just are not into this whole, you know, pay each month uh, type model? Yeah, look, I think um, one of the things we wanted to address with Creative Cloud was that uh, cost of ownership or the initial, you know, getting into our tool set. We always knew it was expensive, right? So um, so that was always something that we were challenged with. And as you said, you know, um, our master collection was up over $6,000, right, to get in. So if you were wanting to start in this industry, it was six k for everything. Um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of people are still um, pretty passionate about buying and owning their software. Um, but we've certainly seen, you know, the uptake of this offering has has gone really well for us here. And yeah. I think, it, as you said, it's really had a good, you know, a good spot for a lot of people who do this for a living. Um, so some of the challenges around people that are probably casual users of our product, mm. and the one that seems to hurt most seems to be Photoshop. Yeah, so people that just they just wanted to run Photoshop. Just want to run a, Photoshop, yeah. right? So you can you can subscribe to Photoshop as a single application, right? Right. So there is a lot of cost option now yeah, just so to get the one app. Whereas yeah. initially you had to buy it was sort of all or nothing, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So okay. you know, oh, so good. for Photoshop, if that's all you wanted, um, you know, you can you can subscribe to that for twenty dollars a month uh, Australian. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay. We're trying to address it. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad. It's certainly, <laughs> we've certainly had a lot of good feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, my, my pick is, I mean, this is going to see more people using Adobe products than they had before. Uh, yeah, you get rid of that big upfront cost, and especially yep. a lot of small businesses that would be, you know, just reticent to sort of jump jump in there. And uh, when you can sort of pay a monthly fee, it uh, yeah, it does make it somewhat more palatable. What do you think, Nate? Would um, would I mean, have you use any of the Adobe? Yeah, Dream. Um, I remember stuff? in my earlier days, I used to use Dreamweaver all the time, um, especially when you're doing PHP coding and stuff. But Visual Studio for the stuff we do, because we're predominantly a Microsoft shop, is the, the do. So when you said Dreamweaver, it's like oh, I remember Dreamweaver and Fireworks and, and Photoshop. Yeah. Um, not that we do a lot of that stuff anymore. Um, I, I, th- I have to admit, yeah, one of the biggest um, pain points for us is that to get into the suite, and I'm not complaining about the quality, like you can't say, oh, it's the the 
products were way too expensive because they weren't. They were very good and they were top of the line for what you wanted to do and very easy to use. Um, was it's expensive. If you're starting out as a new company, as we were sort of eight or nine years ago, trying to get all those products in, as well as all the Microsoft products, it's, yep. it's very expensive. So I'm a big fan of this pay sort of as-you-go yep. uh, model. And you know, online product zero, as we mentioned again, is paid by monthly. And I think all these cloud services are moving to that. So it's a nice thing that Adobe is doing the same thing. And $20 for an individual user um, for Photoshop a month is just fantastic. 20 Austra- Australian. 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 So it's about 1,000 yeah. New Zealand, but still, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty good. Consider- yeah. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what the RFP of Photoshop is, but it's a lot more than 20 a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you, yeah. you were talking way over 1,000 to get started, weren't you? Yeah, um, no, I think so. Um, direction, so. You know, you're looking yeah. at, you know, in that one year that we've had Photoshop um, available as a subscription, we've had three major releases in that year, whereas mm. between... The previous version of CS6 and CS5 Photoshop, that was a two-year wait. So, you know, our, our Photoshop community sat out two years, and they were mm. getting pretty grumpy with us, going, when are you bringing out the new one? And we're like, well, hang on, maybe the InDesign team need to sort this out and before we can get the new suite out. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was pretty difficult. Mm. I'm assuming, too, this is going to make a, a sizable dent in any piracy of the Adobe products, but you're going to go, well, look, it's 20 bucks a month. What's the point in trying to find a torrent to download this? I might as well just pay 20 bucks. It's... Yeah, I think it's so, so cheap. I'm sure I that's what so. Adobe's thinking. Uh, now, so. in, uh, in other other news, um, we got a got a uh, email through from uh, Dick Smith just um, in the last uh, last hour or two, and um, it seems like they've become um, good buddies with uh, Vodafone again because I think we're looking uh, early uh, 2011 that uh, Dick Smith stopped selling uh, Vodafone you know, handsets and products and so on. Uh, but they're um, yeah they've buddied up again and uh, they're now uh, offering Vodafone uh, Vodafone products so very interesting um, so yeah hit them up if you are looking for a new phone or something uh, now there's a couple more topics that uh, that we were hoping to get to around uh, home cinema and um, getting rid of your uh, getting rid of uh, Sky or just you know changing your your, uh, your home setup we're going to save that for uh, for next week's episode uh, there's some um, some um, changes or some uh, you know discussion going on around reviewing uh, some of our uh, telecommunications regulations in New Zealand uh, we're going to hold those off for next week too because we have um, Paul Brislin uh, coming in, who is the guru in that uh, that area, so he'll be joining us for that discussion, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more probably next week also around uh, Telecom's uh, mobile uh, wallet uh, trial that we, we chatted about uh, last week. So um, that uh, that brings us just about just about to the end. Oh, now there was one thing we uh, we had a new handset from. Um, Huawei. A uh, when was that? It was probably a um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were looking at the new uh, P6, which is the slimmest smartphone on the market uh, worldwide. But what we were disappointed in was the pricing numbers we were seeing out of uh, out of Europe. Uh, but uh, we just saw that they're launching this handset in Australia for four ninety five uh, US. So that's probably indicative of a six hundred to maximum uh, seven hundred dollar type pricing uh, in New Zealand, which um, actually makes it uh, pretty competitive. Which is what we sort of would have expected from uh, Huawei because. Uh, 
that's that's where they tend to be tend to be pitching themselves. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a little bit more of a, a chat about that one um, in the weeks ahead. Uh, the one that we did have a hand on also, we found is a preview, uh, is an early build of the uh, the software. So we're going to try and get the very uh, latest uh, software on that handset, and we'll give a few more details. Uh, of that one, but a, a pretty slick looking phone actually. Um, if it is something of a uh, iPhone ripoff in some regards, uh, but there we go. That's it. That's uh, that's us for uh, for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, of course, you can find us online at nztechpodcast.com, uh, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, and we're on uh, we're on Twitter and uh, and Google Plus as well. So um, we like to be liked in those places. So come and find us. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe to us through uh, iTunes if you haven't uh, found us there already. Now, where do we find you guys online? Nate, you're on Twitter, it's as you mentioned before, <laughs> with that very famous Twitter handle oh, of uh, Nate. It's a double-edged sword, if I'm honest, because, um, like, for example, anything big that happens with someone called Nate, for example, Nate Dog, when his anniversary comes up, I just get ridiculous amount of tweets because people don't know how to use Twitter properly. Anyway. Um, Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I'm just uh, at Nate on Twitter, or um, and I blog on Geekzone as well, so you can find me there. I moderate there as well, so probably the best two places. Excellent. And Earl, you're on Twitter? I am. I'm uh, relatively new to the whole Twitter thing, so I'm trying real hard. So, uh, yeah, but um, so it's a little bit... I'm going to have to change the handle. It's a terrible one to have to explain out, but uh, Kiwi underscore one underscore Adobe. So that's uh, me on Twitter. All right, we'll um, put a link up to it on the nztechpodcast.com yeah. so people can just sort of click through on it. Yeah, but adobe.co.nz is where we keep all our info. Um, we've got a great Facebook page up there with all of our events coming up. We've got a roadshow coming into town before the end of the month. and So, yeah, a lot going on. Cool. So. All right. Oh, that's good. And you can find me online on uh, Twitter at Paul Spain. Uh, and also on uh, on Google Plus and LinkedIn and all those sorts of uh, sorts of places as well, uh, and a Geek Zone blog uh, which is uh, techjungle dot com. Uh, so thanks everyone for joining us. We will catch you next week right here on the NZ Tech Podcast. See ya.